Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Findlay City Schools are conducting a district-wide emergency drill. Coming so soon after the recent tragedy in Michigan by happenstance, we speak with Superintendent Troy Roth. Also this morning, why shipping delays and supply chain issues could lead to a rash of unsafe toys under the tree this year. The industry sounding the alarm about potentially dangerous fakes ahead of the holiday. In our final Keeping the Faith series, overcoming the human obstacles that keep us from communicating with God in the new book, Praying Through. And we have more last-minute gift ideas, fitness, kitchen, and beauty buys for anyone you still need to cross off your list. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. Today is Bill of Rights Day. Uh, in commemoration of the uh, first 10 amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, which went into effect on this date in 1791, the Bill of Rights Day. It is also Cat Herders Day, <laughs> International Tea Day. Have a spot of tea today after you're done herding your cats. National Cupcake Day. You can have cupcakes with your tea and National Wear Your Pearls Day. Although you might not want to wear your pearls while you're trying to herd those cats. Anyway, so uh, this was kind of interesting. The uh, holiday season, of course, is full of all kinds of stress. But what stresses you out the most? A new survey finds 44% of Americans say that decorating the house causes them stress about safety, especially in homes where there are kids and pets. And as a result, people are kind of toning down the decorations, the uh, holiday uh, decor. Uh, No longer are people using tinsel, fake snow, things like that. They're kind of on the outs. Instead, just uh, simple electric lights. Although electric lights can be dangerous, too, but uh, I guess that's less of a concern. Um, The survey mentioned that the bulk of most houses' holiday budget is spent on the tree itself, and then window treatments and uh, doors, hanging stuff on the the doors. About $213 we spend on average on Christmas decorations. $213. That was kind of interesting. So uh, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, Wednesday morning started, the uh, folks at WalletHub are out with their rankings of the most caring cities in the United States. Again, this is the season for, for caring and doing good things for your neighbors and peace on earth, goodwill toward men, that whole thing. So this kind of goes along with the season. Wallet Hub ranked America's 100 biggest cities according to factors like caring for the community, caring for the vulnerable, caring for the workforce, things like uh, doing nice things for strangers or teachers who care about their students, that kind of thing. And the number one most caring city in the U.S., Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and numbers two and three, I thought were a big surprise. Boston and New York 
were number two and three, respectively. Uh, Virginia Beach, Fremont, California, Virginia Beach, Fremont, California, and Pittsburgh round out the top five. Uh, Mr. Rogers would be very proud. You know, he is from Pittsburgh. And the rest of the top ten, Jersey City, New Jersey. <laughs> well, they care for you. We'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, Seattle, and Denver uh, round out the top ten. I'm sorry, I, I counted those wrong. Um, Madison, Wisconsin is number one. Boston, New York, two and three. Virginia Beach and Fremont, California, four and five. And then Pittsburgh is number six. Jersey City, Lincoln, Nebraska, Seattle, and Denver rounding out the top ten. So there's the top ten. Uh, in case you were curious, Columbus ranks 36th out of 100. Cincinnati, 52nd. Cleveland is 63rd. And Toledo is 68th. Those are the four Ohio cities on the list. And the least caring city of the 100 that were ranked, Birmingham, Alabama. So that's the place to avoid, I guess. Did you hear about this? This is just amazing, I think. A man in North Carolina has broken a record. Ryan Bailey has attended football games, NFL games, in all 32 stadiums, home games for all 32 NFL teams. And that includes two visits to MetLife Stadium in New Jersey for both home games for the Giants and the Jets and two trips to SoFi Stadium in L.A. for the Chargers and the Rams. So he has attended home games for all 32 NFL teams And he's not the first to do that, but the record is he did it in 74 days, um, beating the previous record of 84 days to visit all 32 uh, NFL teams, home stadiums. So he's done it in uh, 10 days quicker than the previous record. He completed his quest last Thursday when he attended the Vikings' victory over the Steelers at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. He said completing the project meant finding Sunday and Monday night games in cities that were close enough to travel between. The next item on his football bucket list is attending the Super Bowl. So I would think the, I think the NFL could give him a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's visited all 32. Can you imagine how much money you would have to spend? I mean, the games alone... I mean, tickets are, I mean, at a minimum, what's the cheapest you can get a ticket to an NFL game? 50 bucks? I mean, that alone is going to cost you, what, close to two grand. And and then the travel between all of those cities. How much money did he spend? The report does not say, but that is just amazing to me. Think about that. Um, And I don't know where he lives. Uh, oh, well, it says North Carolina. I'm sorry. It says North Carolina. I don't know where, where in North Carolina. But any event. Where would you like to live? This is kind of interesting. A uh, new poll of 2,000 TV fans commissioned by a furniture company uh, asked, if you could live anywhere, what TV home would you like to call your home? Number one on the list? Will Smith's mansion, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> that was the number one place 
uh, in the survey where uh, TV fans would like to live if they could. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, Bel-Air, that wouldn't be a bad place. Uh, let's see here. Do-do-do. The mansion in which Will Smith chilled with his aunt and uncle uh, would be their uh, favorite sitcom house to call their own. Uh, second place, Leonard and Sheldon's apartment in the Big Bang Theory. And number three, the Brady Bunch home. Those were the top three. I would have thought the Brady Bunch would have been higher on that list. You know, all of the nostalgia factor and all of that. I know it's kind of outdated, but then again, so was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So was the mansion there. But anyway, uh, let's see here. 19% uh, chose uh, Carrie's apartment from Sex in the City. And uh, that was tied with Jerry's apartment from Seinfeld and Monica's crib on Friends. So those were the next ones up. Some of the other TV favorites mentioned in the survey by fans, the uh, Florida home seen on the Golden Girls, uh, the stately residences of Bridgerton, and the Full House House. So, there you go. The sitcoms. How does that kind of jibe with where you would want to uh, want to live? You could live anywhere. And lastly, this morning, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. How many times have you said this to someone? It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. That's a pretty common saying, right? To denote something that is simple, as opposed to describing you know, something that is very, very complex. It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. A new study, however, shows the folks in those professions, brain surgery and rocket science, are not necessarily the smartest people out there. According to a study in the British Medical Journal, scientists used results from the Great British Intelligence Test to pit 72 brain surgeons against 329 aerospace engineers and then compared their test intelligence test scores to those of more than 18,000 Britons who were not in those fields. And what they found was no significant difference in how rocket scientists and brain surgeons scored versus the general population. They were not any smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, if I need brain surgery, I want to think that the brain surgeon is actually smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> I there I find no comfort in the idea that the brain that brain surgeons are no no smarter than any of the rest of us. <laughs> Neurosurgeons uh, did show faster problem solving uh, skills but slower memory recall than the population as a whole. <laughs> That's another thing. I don't know if somebody is operating on my brain. I don't want to hear the words. Now, how do you do this again? I don't recall. <laughs> Let me think about this. Uh, most of the scores for both groups were within the range of those of the general population. So uh, there are no... Uh, they're no worse off. Uh, they're no they're no dumber than the rest of us, but they're not necessarily any smarter either. In short, the researchers say both specialties 
might be unnecessarily placed on a pedestal. So instead of it's not brain surgery or it's not rocket science, they suggest what you say is it's a walk in the park. As a more appropriate saying. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure how I feel about any of this, but you know, anyway, that is it is what it is, I guess. There you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Some showers can be expected today with a high of 59. Cloudy and windy tonight with a low of 53. The Hancock County Jail is down about 10 corrections officers, and that shortage is affecting jail operations. We spoke with Hancock County Sheriff Michael Heldman. The officer-inmate ratio is such that we feel it's a safety and security issue by not having adequate staff working the number of hours that people would have to work in order to accommodate the inmate level, many be working 16 hours. He says the Hancock County Board of Commissioners has approved funds to have some of the local inmates move to other county jails in the area temporarily. The sheriff says they have hired three corrections officers over the past week, but they still need more applicants. Get more details on our website. Ohio health officials have confirmed that the Omicron variant has been found in the Buckeye State. This week is going to be very important because they want to watch to see if more cases surface today and how quickly this will spread. ONN's Tino Ramos reporting health officials are urging people to continue taking COVID precautions over the holidays and to get vaccinated if they haven't already. A city in southwest Ohio that voted recently to criminalize abortion has reversed its decision. The city of Mason's council repealed its ordinance at a 6-1 to vote. The decision came after two council members who supported the ban were expelled by voters in November and after over 2,000 residents signed a petition aimed at taking the issue to the ballot. The measure made it illegal to procure or perform an abortion within city limits or to aid and abet the procedure by providing money, transportation, or medical instructions. Abortion rights supporters decried it as unconstitutional. Dave James, I went in news. The City of Findlay administration will be presenting their 2022 budget to City Council. Mayor Christina Mearn says with careful expense management and revenues coming in stronger than anticipated, she expects that this year about $3 million will have been added to the city's general fund unappropriated balance. She said that positions the city well to mitigate future changes to revenues while continuing to provide the level of service that people expect. We have a link to the city budget on our website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Now our cover story this morning. It's an unfortunate reality that lockdown drills are fairly common in this day and age, but the Findlay City Schools today will be conducting a more elaborate and comprehensive district-wide emergency drill involving all of the district's facilities, local emergency agencies, first responders have been brought in on this. Superintendent Troy Roth uh, is with us on the line this morning. And uh, you pointed out that the timing of this is coincidental uh, with the uh, recent tragedy uh, in Michigan, just north of uh, Detroit, uh, that happened just a couple of weeks ago. But it does, that timing does sort of heighten the awareness uh, and drive home the need to take things like this seriously, don't, doesn't it? It does. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, you know, the, the unfortunate situation in Michigan was a grim reminder of uh, 
some of the situations we have to deal with as a school district to take every precaution to make sure our students and staff are safe. Uh, you know, our director of operations, Dennis Doolittle, and I were preparing for a lockdown drill district-wide prior to that situation. But like I said, it's just a a reminder of the importance to to practice such drills uh, throughout the year. And is that one of the challenges uh, when preparing for uh, events uh, like this uh, is to get particularly the students to uh, to take this as serious as they should? I mean, I remember when I was uh, in school years ago, we didn't do the lockdown drills, but uh, fire drills, tornado drills were pretty common. And, you know, we always kind of, yeah, we went went through the motions, but you know, kids have that invincibility complex, thinking that nothing like this is ever going to happen, and so you you know kind of don't necessarily take it seriously. Is that maybe one of the biggest challenges? Uh, you know what? I think times have changed enough where you know our students know the importance of doing these drills. You know, it's not routine like the monthly fire drill mm-hmm. uh, that just becomes routine. I I think you know. Uh, like I said, the the situations throughout the country that continue to happen with unfortunate school shootings, I think our students and our staff are much more aware of the importance of uh, taking these drills seriously and being prepared. Sadly, we do know that these things can and do happen anywhere and everywhere. And so give us the uh, details, what is going to be uh, happening. As we said, this is uh, not just a simple lockdown drill at one building or another, which are uh, fairly common from time to time. This is a district-wide event. Talk a little bit about what's going to be happening here. Yeah, we just decided we wanted to take care of it, uh, a district-wide drill in case, you know, we had a situation. If you recall, months ago, we had the situation where the state trooper was shot on 75. Right. Uh, Fortunately, you know, our students were not in school at that time, but that would have been a situation where the district would have went on lockdown. Um, So, you know, we determined that we would like to do this drill district-wide. You know, after the drill is over, we're going to meet and you know, determine, you know, what were the positives of the drill and what areas do we need to improve on? Because there's always areas uh, you can improve on, things you may not have thought about or items that went unnoticed before uh, that uh, now we, we, we become aware of. So, you know, I think it's important that we do the drill uh, district-wide, that we get input from law enforcement, uh, emergency personnel services, and, and our building administration and teachers, and uh, we improve. And, and that's the goal is that... Uh, we do the drill, we, we review it, and, and we improve. So if, you know, our goal is to never have to use these skills we learn. and Obviously, the yeah. situation, But uh, we want to be prepared uh, in case we, we have to, to go into such a, such so, a drill. So uh, logistically here, is this going to be like a simulation of event with uh, of an event with a, a response from emergency services and, and all of that? Yeah, you're you're not going to see a full-fledged, you know, every police car, every fire department, you know, every state patrol. You're not going to see that. We'll, okay. we'll do a situation, a scenario in one of our buildings. We'll have law enforcement respond. We'll make sure we we'll communicate with law enforcement like we would if it was an actual uh, situation. But uh, you're you're not going to see, you know, hundreds of uh, vehicles, emergency personnel. Okay. The buildings. You will see. You know, you may see some law enforcement in in one of our buildings. Uh, that we're using in this scenario, but, uh, you know, we, we want to be proactive and let our parents and our students know this is real. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If you do see, you know, some law enforcement at one of our buildings, uh, during the day today, uh, 
that is more than likely a drill. If it's not, we, we would reach out to parents through all our modes of communication. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is what is what it is about. And, and how often are uh, these types of, of drills done? Is this something you do on a, you know, uh, once during the school year or a couple of times during the school year? I mean, is there uh, some sort of uh, schedule in, in terms of how often uh, a, a drill such as this on a large scale is done? Yeah, there, there's requirements with uh, ODE, which works with uh, uh, ODE, who works with the school districts that you're required to do so many drills. You know, we're required to do monthly fire drills, monthly or during tornado season, tornado mm-hmm. drills. This is just another one of, you know, I don't want to say it's crossing off a box because it definitely is not do that. It is a requirement. Uh, I was meant to say with Homeland Security as well. Uh, that we do these types of drills. So we do them periodically throughout the year, and we just thought uh, we wanted to make sure we got one in before before break here. And obviously this is to the benefit of not just the schools, but for the first responders and emergency services as well. Yeah, the main thing is just that our communication is there, that if there is a situation, we want to make sure we're able to communicate it with our buildings, with our with our parents, but also with emergency services. So like I said, you know, we'll go through the drill today. Uh, we'll identify some areas where we need to improve and things that we're doing well, and, and you know, we'll improve on the process. Now, we would be remiss if we didn't point this out. The preparation is obviously critical. You want to, you know, know uh, what will happen or, or have a plan of action uh, in the event that something does happen. But the best preparation is prevention. And that goes back to the whole, if you see something or hear something, say something. And uh, I know that's a message that you uh, also uh, drill into the students, the staff. And I would imagine that will be a part of this uh, today again as well. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people assume that the school schools know everything. And sometimes, you know, we're the last to to hear about situations that we should be aware of. So, you know, we encourage anyone to to communicate with us anything they're seeing. And actually this year, Chris, we were proud to partner with Safer School Ohio. Uh, This provides a free uh, resource for for keeping kids safe. It's an anonymous tip line uh, that uh, our students, our parents, uh, staff can call or text. It's a statewide tip line. Uh, and it remains anonymous, but they can report anything suspicious or that they feel is endangering uh, to the school. Uh, you know, that safety tip line is available on our website, but also uh, that number that, like I said, you can call or text 24-7 is 844-723-3764. And that is something that uh, we made available to to all our community, our staff, our students uh, this year. It all goes into the preparation equation, as we mentioned, that big district-wide comprehensive emergency drill that will be happening today, the Findlay City Schools. want to make sure that people are aware of that and are not uh, unduly alarmed, but also good to know that uh, the uh, preparations and the plans are in place to deal with uh, something that we hope uh, never happens. Again, uh, Superintendent Troy Roth with us this morning. Troy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. This is, of course, the biggest time of the year for the toy industry. Toys and Christmas just go together like peanut butter and jelly. But a warning this year from the Toy Association 
that parents and grandparents will want to take to heart. The association's toy safety mom and senior vice president of standards and regulatory affairs, Joan Lawrence, joins us this morning. And Joan, obviously toy safety is something we always want to keep in mind, but in particular this year, we're talking more than just the usual warnings. Explain why. That's right. You know, all toys sold in this country are supposed to comply with over 100 different safety standards and tests and have been certified as compliant before they're sold. But this year, with the increase in online sales and coupled with the fact that we've got a shipping crisis and product shortages, we are seeing more counterfeit toys being sold online. And why that is is an issue is that, you know, while a counterfeit handbag, which is what we all tend to think of when we think of counterfeits, if a counterfeit handbag might, that might not put your family at risk, but a counterfeit toy that doesn't comply with safety standards could, and that's why you need to care. So how do we spot uh, and avoid the counterfeits that may be unsafe? Well, we always recommend doing some homework before you're shopping for a toy online. You know, find out if there's a a reputable brand or seller out there, find their website. You may be able to purchase directly from that site, or they will have a list of official retailers who carry their product and links to those potentially. So that's what you want to look for. If they don't have a website, that could be a red flag for you. And then... Always read the listings thoroughly. Are there product reviews? Are they negative? Are there not very many reviews? Are there poorly photoshopped photos or typos, spelling mistakes, inconsistent information in the listing? All of those could be red flags that you're looking at a counterfeit and you need to move on. Is this- you know, if you can't find no, I oh, sorry, no, if you can't find a toy on your kids' wish list. You might just want to wait for a trusted retailer to restock the product because buying the fake or cheaper alternative would not be worth the safety risk. And and is this primarily um, uh, or exclusively something that uh, is an issue with uh, online retailers or is it possible for some of these uh, counterfeits, some of these fakes to make it onto store shelves as well? They wouldn't likely make it onto the store shelves, you know, of reputable retailers that are um, established and well-known. But a fly-by-night retailer, you know, like a little pop-up shop, mm. that won't be around after the holidays. For example, if you had a return or something, those would be sellers that you wouldn't be sure you could count on. And so you really want to stick with sellers that you know are around after the holidays should you ever have a problem yeah those are the ones that are going to the trouble to make sure they have safe products yeah uh and are there certain toys or toy categories that are more common to be counterfeited and thus more dangerous than their genuine counterparts we obviously we want to be careful uh, at all times but where should we do an extra close inspection Well, counterfeits tend to focus on some of the hot products. You know, if they think you're desperate enough, you'll buy theirs, right? So those kinds of toys, you know, the ones that are new or the hottest thing going or well-publicized, those are the ones you want to be extra careful that you're getting legitimate products. But also some that have, you know, fun features, um, like ones that we see a lot this year of products that have magnets in the toys. Mm. Now, magnets are allowed to be used in toys 
if they comply with our safety standards. Very small, powerful magnets. You would not want them to be um, so small that they could be swallowed by a child because that poses a very serious uh, safety risk to a kid. Yeah. So there's lots of safe products out there being sold online, and then there are lots of counterfeits that are emerging that are knocking off that that fun safe product that complies, and the counterfeits do not comply. They have small magnets. They would be not safe for children yeah. and shouldn't be given to young kids. Uh, magnets, batteries, uh, kind of the same thing, uh, again, for many of the same reasons as another example. So let's kind of step back. As we mentioned, this is something that we talk about every season, and with good reason, we want to make sure that we're getting safe toys uh, for our kids, our grandkids. What uh, advice generally uh, in addition to all of this, should we be talking about to those who will be buying toys for their children or someone else's children? Yes, and, and some of the, the top tips of advice I always give are, first off, you always want to look at the age on the toy and make sure you're matching it to the age of your child. It's, it's not about how smart a child is. That number on the package is safety guidance, and it's based on the specific features of the toy and matches them to the age of the child, the developmental abilities of children at that age. And so it's really advice you need to follow. Um, that's first off. I always recommend also that parents supervise play. And I know our lives are hectic, and as parents, we've got a lot going on, but it can do so much to do simple things like get down on the floor and play with your child, yeah. demonstrate how to play safely, or even read the instructions to your child, especially if they're not of uh, reading age yet. That does so much to show them how to play safely. Is that maybe another warning sign of a counterfeit toy that uh, it may not have those uh, age recommendations? Um, in the listing, especially, that would be a warning sign for me. Um, if you couldn't find a recommended age or if they had um, contradictory ages within one listing, mm. um, that would be a red flag. Yeah, so you always want to make sure that you know you're matching your child's age to the age on that product. And if you can't find the age, you might want to move on. So, again, some timely reminders and a special alert this year due to all of the circumstances surrounding the supply chain and uh, issues with uh, you know, shipping delays and, and things like that uh, with respect to toys for the holiday season for uh, kids and, and grandkids. Joan Lawrence, again, is the uh, Toy Safety Mom, the Toy Association, and you have on your website, on the association website, site uh, a lot of uh, really good information and knowledge on toy safety for the benefit of anybody who is uh, shopping not only during the holiday season but year-round that's right and our website is playsafe.org.org joan thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thanks for having me You may remember a few weeks ago, we announced that the long-running Keeping the Faith series would be coming to an end this month, and uh, that day is today. Correspondent John Clemens, who uh, for years has done uh, all of the legwork on these segments, doing the research, interviewing the authors and other 
uh, faith uh, figures and uh, putting these segments together, has decided to hang up his headphones. He was recently uh, diagnosed with cancer and has made the decision to uh, step down and uh, spend uh, time with his family. And we certainly wish he and his family all of the very best. And I think this is a wonderful way to send the series off into the sunset with the author of the new book, Praying Through. It's all about overcoming the human obstacles, the man-made obstacles that keep us from communicating with God wherever we are and whenever we're ready. Once again, here's correspondent John Clemens. With more than 20 years of pastoral experience, Jared Stevens has made the mission of his life to connect the dots that will demystify prayer and has authored the book, Praying Through, Overcoming the Obstacles that keep us from God. This book really came out of my own life and my own challenges and my own breakthroughs in prayer, as well as many conversations with folks that I have the privilege of pastoring here at Soul City Church in downtown Chicago. And what I've found is that what I've done is I've just overcomplicated prayer. I've at times been frustrated in prayer. I've been stuck in prayer. I've run out of words to pray. And I think what I realized is that I've maybe overcomplicated this thing that's really at the heart of a relationship with God. It's how we communicate with Him. Pastor Jared believes God will answer our prayers. Maybe not in the way we want, but the prayers will be answered. The whole idea of this book is to re-examine maybe the obstacles that might keep us from God and look at them as invitations to new ways, to fresh ways, to transformative ways to connect with God. And so there's not a prayer you can pray. There's not words that you can say to God that He doesn't hear and that He doesn't care about. We just get uncomfortable when we don't hear immediately back from him. Praying Through is a book that affirms God hears the prayers of even those without a strong faith. Well, I think that God is here and that God hears. That really is. That's why folks who wouldn't necessarily even call themselves people of faith are open to prayer when life hits a wall or when life gets challenging or complicated. Our hope and desire that I believe is hardwired in every human being by God is to connect to God in the deepest way from the deepest place. And so I think at times it's, yes, God, thank you for hearing. And then other times it's, oh God, please, I hope that you're hearing. I hope that you're here. The challenge that is made in the book, Praying Through, is that we can pray to God, but in a way that doesn't make it sound like we're clearing out the inbox of our email. The promise of this book is that there are no three easy steps because that's that's not really how prayer works. And if it were to work that way, where we could just master prayer, we'd be missing the point of prayer. And this is true of me. I want three easy steps to clear out my inbox. That's natural. But prayer is something supernatural. The concern for many is that the communication we have with God at times can seem like sealing prayers that don't reach the ears of God as they fall back to us. There is no prayer uttered that is unheard by God. Every single prayer that we pray, and even the things in our heart that we don't know how to articulate in prayer, all of it is heard by God. I think where we get frustrated is when we don't hear back from God, when we aren't seeing God move in the way that we want or the way that we asked, when we can't see that He has a bigger plan, He has better timing. And so the natural conclusion is, well, He must not have heard me, when the truth is, He's actually right here. He hears everything, and even the words you don't know how to say. Too many our prayers can seem like a laundry list of what we want, especially when our prayers that name others. God knows every single detail about every single person he's created. And so what we're doing is when we pray for someone else, when we are interceding, the word is intercessory prayer, when we're interceding, 
on someone else's behalf. We're actually joining in with the heart of God. And it's also an act of trust, to trust that God actually already knows, has in mind, and is able to do his best for their life. When we're praying for someone else, if we don't have all the details, we can trust that God already does. The book, Praying Through, can help us with any concerns or responding to someone with a common phrase, I'll pray for you. All of us are on a journey to knowing God more and growing in our relationship with Him. To me, it's a privilege when anyone will ask me to pray with them or to pray for them. And one of the habits that I've formed was instead of waiting till later, I ask, can I pray for you right now? Can we just pray right now? But that I found people are so open. They long to be prayed for. And so rather than waiting and hoping that you will, I just take the initiative to say, can we just do that right now? Can I pray for you right now? When Christ himself walked the earth, he taught us how to pray because he understood the power of prayer. There's something powerful when you start in your posture of prayer with just acknowledging God, recognizing God. Before you tell him all the things you need from him, to just stop and say, God, you are already enough. You are mighty. You are holy. God, you are so full of grace and mercy. And what Jesus does at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is he not only starts us there, but he ends the prayer by acknowledging who God is. He is a good and perfect parent who longs for us to bring the desires of our heart to him, but never at the sake of missing him in the process. Here's how to get in touch with Pastor Jarrett Stevens, author of the book, Praying Through. If anyone wants to connect with me or my writing, they can simply go to jarrettstevens.com. That's J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Stevens with a V.com. This is John Clemens reporting. For the final time, as we conclude our long-running Keeping the Faith series, and Know that we will be praying through for John and his family. Well done, good and faithful servant. More details at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Our dumb criminals of the day from the international file uh, from London, specifically, two men <laughs> who purchased a winning lottery scratch-off, uh, Britain's National Lottery, were arrested after trying to claim the $5 million-plus jackpot. Um, John Watson and Mark Goodrum were charged with fraud and sentenced to 18 months in prison, according to the BBC. Uh, here's the thing. They claimed that they did not have a bank account, that they needed to take the winnings in cash, $5 million plus. They said they had to take it in cash because they didn't have the bank account. They didn't have a bank account. They were undone by the fact that they had used a bank card to purchase the tickets. <laughs> It turns out the bank card was stolen, and as it happens, the pair were on parole for a previous crime at the same time. <laughs> Drat! <laughs> what a brilliant plan foiled by a simple <laughs> oversight there. <laughs> Sounded like a good idea at the time. They're probably trying to figure out how in the world did they catch us. <laughs> uh, also from the international file, also from the UK, uh, Hassan Habib, 
who owns Lucky's Diner in the UK, <laughs> uh, listed his establishment on a food delivery service, kind of like Uber Eats in this country. It's called Just Eat. It's a food delivery service. Uh, but he said he recently had to stop using the platform because a, uh, a user had complained about the food that they got, the product that they got, uh, and he had to refund their, their money. And uh, he said, you know, just once, it wouldn't be a big deal, but he, he noticed a problem here. They just couldn't continue to use the service if they were going to allow refunds with flimsy excuse, excuses like this. It turns out, that uh, this patron ordered four milk uh, four milkshakes, a cheesecake, and an ice cream, and they put in a refund request because the food was cold. <laughs> uh, Mr. Beep says this is just one of many examples of people ordering food and then later saying something was wrong with it and getting a refund. And leave the restaurant holding the bag for all of the costs. <laughs> they complained that the ice cream was cold. And believe it or not, the app forced uh, the uh, restaurant to issue a refund because the ice cream was too cold. <laughs> uh, the uh, app company says that they are currently working with Mr. Habib to address his concern. Um, back on this side of the pond, uh, in Indiana, a sticky situation, um, on an interstate yesterday, uh, or yeah, yesterday this, uh, this happened. And when I say a sticky situation, I mean, literally a sticky situ situation, state police in the uh, area of Fair Oaks, Indiana, say a stretch of interstate was blanketed with large amounts of honey after a semi-truck crashed overnight. Officials say the cleanup operation took several hours, as you might imagine. How would you clean up a truckload of honey spilled onto the road? Oh, my goodness. Uh, by yesterday afternoon, all the lanes were reopened. But can you imagine driving through an overturned truck of honey? That's, oh, man, sticky situation indeed. Former airline pilot in trouble with the law. <laughs> Harris County prosecutors in southeast Texas say Joseph Caterinu surprised everyone yesterday when he punched a bailiff after an argument with a judge <laughs> in, a, in a courtroom in Harris County. Punched a bailiff. After getting into an argument with the judge, the 58-year-old also accused of pulling the bailiff to the ground before the judge and the prosecutor got involved in the fight. Mr. Katarenu was originally charged on allegations he lied about his previous employment in his financial statements. I don't know what prompted the argument uh, with the judge that ended up taking a swing at the bailiff, but that's probably not the best course of action when you're in a courtroom. Generally, you don't want to take a swing at the judge. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, you remember yesterday we had the uh, story of the uh, snake in the Christmas tree. Here's another snake story. 
A Florida man had to call for help when he discovered a snake hidden in his couch. Ooh. Clearwater police uh, said that uh, a resident at Maryland Pines in the uh, Clearwater area uh, called reporting a snake hiding in his couch in his condo. Officers carried the couch outside and found a red-tailed boa uh, roughly five feet long inside the couch. They carefully extracted it from its hiding place. It said easily five foot long. It was taken to a, a local snake specialist. As for how the reptile got into the couch, the police noted that the man said he just got the couch recently and he believes the snake was hiding in the couch when it came into the house. Uh, after the snake was removed, officers helped the man carry the couch back into the residence. Uh, the uh, police department spokesperson was quoted as saying, it's a jungle out there sometimes. Man! It's a snake in your couch. It's more than you bargain for when you buy a new couch. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The area schools, choirs, and orchestras are in the spotlight once again this Christmas. Listen to this unique collection of music presented by Instrument Care Center, the rich Chevrolet Cadillac, and Northwest Ohio Railroad Preservation. And brought to you in part by Keller Bison, the University of Finley, Arlington Pharmacy, and Macomb Family Dental. It begins Christmas Eve morning at 10. On 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. How many times uh, have you heard the uh, phrase, keep Christ in Christmas, right? The reason for the season and uh, all of that. But for a growing number of Americans, there is no Christ in Christmas. Uh, they, uh, I guess, look at the secular side of things. New survey out yesterday from the Pew Research Center finds that the, the decline of religious affiliation in America is continuing. The number of people who say that they are atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular now make up 29% of U.S. adults. That's up from 23% five years ago and just 19% a decade ago. Professor Elizabeth Drescher, Santa Clara University, put it this way, if the unaffiliate, uh, unaffiliated were a religion unto themselves, they would be the largest religious group in the United States. In other words, you take all of the uh, non-affiliated or non-religious people as a whole, and they outnumber any one particular domination, uh, dom denomination or religious group. The uh, poll from Pew did find that the uh, growth of the none of the aboves has largely come at the expense of Protestant faiths, with 40% of adults now saying they are Protestant, down from 50% a decade ago. So it's almost a one-to-one -one correlation there. However, it's interesting, these uh, none of the aboves are not uniform in and of themselves. A recent Associated Press Nork Center poll found that 30% of those who are who self-describe as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, there's none of the above, 30% of them do feel some connection 
to God or to a higher power, however they want to describe that. 28% say that they are spiritual but not religious. That's kind of a fine line to walk, but they delineate the two. 19% say religion does have some importance to them, even though they have no religious affiliation. And about 12% do describe themselves as religious and spiritual, but not a member of an organized religion. So that makes up about 12%. Really interesting uh, numbers on the decline of religious affiliation in America. Survey out yesterday from the Pew Research Center. Countdown is on as holiday shoppers continue to spend in record numbers. According to the latest statistics, online sales have reached close to $110 billion since the 1st of November, which is an awful lot of searching and finding and buying. Beauty and lifestyle expert Anna D'Souza is with us this morning. A few of her favorite finds for the favorite people in your uh, on your list. And uh, Anna, this we were talking about this just the other day. National Retail Federation says average consumer is going to spend close to $1,000 this year, which is more than ever. Uh, where do we even start on this? I know. I saw that. I saw that stat. I think it's even 10%. It's up 10% from even last year. Yeah. Okay. So, Chris, there's no need to stress. I have you covered. I did some of the heavy lifting, quite literally. I love my puns, but uh, <laughs> I uh, am a toddler twin mom, and it's really hard to get a workout in other than like muscling them up three flights of stairs. So I love a solution that is really compact and super smart. So this is really cool. I'm going to have you try to imagine this. This is the tempo move. It's going to give you the experience and results of working with a trainer. It's going to give you real-time feedback, weight recommendations, and a training plan. And the full gym takes up a tiny little footprint in your house. It looks like a sleek cabinet, really, really beautiful, where you can prop your phone right on top. So as you work out, it's going to track your reps, your form, your weight, the speed of your reps. And then the artificial intelligence is going to customize a workout plan just for you. It comes with 50 pounds of smart weights that you can interchange. So, you know, it's, it's really such a cool system here. And then it uses your phone and your TV. So you're going to get a really cool, immersive workout experience that favors effort over time because you want to work out smarter, not harder, right? Right. And uh, it's really cool. You're going to get a real... Um, awesome price on this. It's three ninety five and it includes shipping, and it's an AI powered gym. So it, yeah. I, I'm really digging this one. Uh, that certainly uh, home workouts and home gyms became very popular during the pandemic. You know, one of the other things over the past year that become very very popular: people rediscovering cooking at home. And you have a gift idea for those who are you know in the kitchen more than they used to be. Of course, there's no better time than right this minute to pick up an air fryer because finally, you're going to be able to cook up two dishes and synchronize them to finish at the same time. So everything is hot and crispy on your plate and you don't have to microwave the straggler dish, which is what I was doing. I would cook something in the air fryer, right. then I have to cook the second thing, and then the first thing is going in the microwave. Like It defeats the purpose. So I'm loving this. This is the Crux GG Trizone 94 Air Fryer, voted the best air fryer of 2021 by Esquire Magazine. Has a really cool technology that gives you one large cooking area that you can divide into two. Um, Crux GG also launched eight new products 
at Target. Um, they're offering 30% off through the holidays and 5% of the proceeds are going to collective nonprofits that work to end food insecurity. They have an awesome mm. rotating Belgian waffle maker too, which is amazing. You can make five uh, one-inch thick delicious Belgian waffles in under 10 minutes. So really, I mean, if that doesn't scream holiday morning to you, I don't know what does. <laughs> I, I love that gift idea and especially love the fact that it gives back. Uh, obviously, as a beauty expert, you have a few ideas for those who want to uh, look and feel their best during not only the holiday season, but into the new year as well. Lay it on us here. I got you covered, guys. I am really loving this holiday gift set from Ula Henriksen. Uh, if people who wear makeup, they kind of have seen this uh, especially on YouTube, it's a celebrity makeup artist secret using banana powder to help conceal under eye circles. Well, this is Banana Bright Vitamin C Serum, and it has 15% vitamin C. Now, honestly, guys, you're getting like 3 or 4% in a lot of these topicals. So when you start using it, use a pea-sized amount, work your way up gradually because this is supercharged stuff here. And you're going to get um, brighter, bouncier skin in just seven days without makeup. And this set also includes... Sea Rush Brightening Gel Creme and Color Correcting Banana Eye Creme. And you can pick these up at ulahenriksen.com. And then finally, the viral foundation launch of the year is KVD Beauty's Good Apple Skin Perfecting Foundation Balm. And TikTokers were showing both the texture and um, the coverage that they were getting after just one swipe. So if you're on TikTok, you want to you wanna search for this. It looks really cool. And it's really unlike any texture I've ever felt before. So it's a buttery balm, but it gives you that coverage. And it, it's really surprising, but it's amazing. Um, it comes in 40 different shades, which I love the inclusivity of that. And it's uh, formulated with hydrating apple extract too. So this one, you can head on over to kvdbeauty.com for more. Code Anna20 for 20% off, or you can, you know, pick it up over at your local Ulta and Sephora stores as well. Great gift ideas there from uh, beauty and lifestyle expert Anna D'Souza. You've seen her on places like Access Hollywood, The Today Show, and more. And you've got uh, more information on these other gift ideas at your website, right? I do. You guys can head on over to AnnaD'Souza.com for a little bit more. We'll link up to that on our webpage. Anna, thanks very much for the time and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy shopping. Get out there, guys. (laughs) And that will finish off our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Of course, that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're hearing reports that the hospital is at capacity in the latest COVID surge. But what does that really mean? Are patients being turned away? And millions of kids will get their first smartphone for Christmas. And as they say, with great power comes great responsibility. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.